All right, y'all, if you would, take your Bibles. Go to Psalm 122. Psalm 122 this morning. I'm glad you're here. It's been kind of lonely around here. We, there have been a few of you been kind of scattered throughout here and there, everywhere, over the past several weeks and been here, but I'm glad you're here today. And we're going to be looking at Psalm 122 today. I figured this passage would be a very appropriate passage. Psalm 122 and verse number 1. You, Let's stand one more time. We're just going to read this one verse together, okay? We're going to read this one verse together. We're going to be reading it out of the New King James. So uh, I want us to read it together this morning. I didn't plan to do that, but I thought that'd be good for us to read together. Did you hear that emphasis? Together, all right? And Psalm 122, we're just going to read one verse, verse number one, all right? Let's read it together. Ready, begin. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Let's say that one more time. Let's say it together. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Okay, I, I see, I hear the word glad, and I see about three smiles out there. Okay, so you got you to give me something here, all right? Let's do it one more time. Ready, begin. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. This is, this is King David. He's like, man, I am jacked up. I get to go to the house of God. Have a seat. Have a seat. Thank you so much. David's writing this psalm, and he's all keyed up. Man, he is happy that they're going to the house of the Lord. Now, what you may think is actually the house of the Lord is probably not what he's talking about here. And we're going to get to that here in a few moments. But David is writing this entire psalm from the perspective of a pilgrim. Three times a year, people from all over Israel, the northern, which there were no, it was not a split kingdom at this point, uh, Israel and Judah, but nonetheless, the entire country, they would come to Jerusalem uh, for three specific feasts. Uh, the Feast of the Passover, makes sense, right? Uh, the Feast at Pentecost, remember when they all came to, uh, during, after Jesus uh, ascended into heaven, they were all there for Pentecost? And then the Feast of Tabernacles. And David is writing this as a, uh, as a pilgrim, per se, thinking as they came to the city of Jerusalem, this was an exciting time. Remember when Jesus walked into Jerusalem? Uh, he actually didn't walk. He rode on a donkey. Remember that? And it was just excitement. People were everywhere. They were hooping and hollering, not just, I mean, just because Jesus was there, but it was during the feast of the Passover. And it was a, very, it was a holy time, but it was an exciting time. And that's the, the, the perspective that David is writing from here. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. The, the word uh, glad there means rejoice, to be merry, to take pleasure, to be joyful and happy. David was excited and the people were excited. Now, keep in mind, had the temple been built yet? No, it had not. Temple had not been built. Who, who built the temple? Solomon did, his son. So probably at this particular uh, point in, in history, the tabernacle was there in Jerusalem. And if you remember, uh, the word Jerusalem means city of peace, Jerusalem, city of peace. So when people came there, obviously it was, it was an exciting time. But as far as the house of the Lord, what we would think of as the house of the Lord, the temple, the body, the church, or whatever you want to call it, that was not there. It was just the tabernacle. This is really in reference to Jerusalem. And you'll see that as we read the passage here a little bit further. But they were coming to Jerusalem, and the primary purpose was to do what? Worship the Lord God. Worship Yahweh. And he's excited about that. He's excited to see the people. Probably excited. People are excited to see one another they haven't seen in a long time. And it, there was just a, 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 a passion about that. Growing up, I 
uh, about once a month, uh, at least that's what I remember, it seemed like we would go out to my grandparents' house. Now, this was out in the country, okay? about 30 or 40 minutes away. And uh, we always, me and my brother Keith and my sister Rhonda, we were always so excited to go out to uh, Granny and Grandpa's. It was just fun because we knew lots of things were going to happen. We knew we were going to see the cousins. And when we saw the cousins, we always played football. I mean, it was, it was me and my cousin Tommy against my brother Keith and our cousin, uh, uh, Tam, or, or rather, Lori. Sometimes Tammy would join in on their team, and my cousin Lonnie, he would join in on our team. We have two against two, three against three. It was always a good time. But it wasn't just that. Whenever we went out to our grandparents, we knew it was, we could get the guns out. We could shoot the guns. We'd go out in the woods, man. We'd have our hatchet on us. We'd start out with BB guns. And we had pellet guns. Eventually, we got old enough, we would have our 410 shotguns, you know. And uh, we'd have our, our 22 pistols and our rifles and stuff like that, you know. And we, we knew we were going out in the woods. We were going hunting, right? And we were just so excited about it. We knew that Granny was going to have a spread of food. Oh, my goodness. I can't tell you how many times my Granny ran me out of the kitchen with a fly swatter saying, David West, get out of that fried chicken. David West, get out of this food, that food, because I knew she was in there cooking, and I'd go in there and nab some, and she'd chase me out with a flash water, hitting me on the rear end as I went out. It was an exciting time. I knew that we could be there, and, and we could get on our rear ends or on our bellies and, and go down the ditch, the gullies, we called them. You know, just, we knew it was going to be a fun time. And whenever we would drive out there, man, just before we get there, we knew we were close, because uh, just down the road and across the street was this old, beat-up shack. I mean, just an old, beat-up house, but that was the general store for that little part of the country there, out, out in the boondocks. And it was one of those that had those old screen doors, you know, when you open it, and had one of those springs attached to it so it closed behind you. And when you stepped on the, on the steps to walk up to the door, you were wondering if the, if the wood was going to break because it was so old and so beat up. And every now and again, my dad or my grandfather, they'd give us a quarter to go across the street and get some gum or a candy bar or a soda or something. Just an exciting time. And when we saw that store, we knew we were close, and we would drive up into the driveway, and man, we knew we were there. We would just, yeah. And all of a sudden, here they come. Shep and Roscoe, they're two big old dogs. They, woo-woo, woo-woo. They'd come out. They're meeting us. They didn't know who it was. Then we'd get out of the car, and they would stop and look at us. And then they would run towards us and, and get us, and, and we would hug on them. And, and it was just, it was an exciting time. This is David. The people are coming to Jerusalem. They're coming to worship. They're coming to be together. They're coming to, so, 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 when all this is going on, David said, man, I'm glad when they said to me, what? Let's go to the house of the Lord, because this is a great time, a great time for us to be together. Today, what I do, want to do is I want to share with you three reasons why David was so glad. First of all, let's look at verses 1 through 4. 1 through the very first part of verse number 4. He says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact. In other words, the, the, places, the living places are very close together, very compact. Where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. I want you to notice something here. Number one, he was glad, he was excited, he was all keyed up because, number one, we get to be together. We get to connect with our community. He was, man, he was excited. He's going to be able to see people he hadn't seen in a long time. In verse number one, he says, I was glad, I, individual, when they, who's they? All those people said to me, what? Let us 
Let's gather. We're coming. It's that time of year. It's that day. We're going to the house of God. We're going to Zion. We're going to Mount Zion. We're going to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast. We're going to Jerusalem to worship. And you, have, you had to know that these people coming from all over Israel, remember there are 12 tribes. Do you think all those 12 tribes were exactly the same? Absolutely not. They were all different. Now, they were, they were similar, but they weren't the same. They were all God's people. They were all Jewish people, but they came from different tribes. All the tribes were different. The tribe of Levi versus the tribe of Issachar. And you got Dan and you got Gad and you got Naphtali and you got Reuben. And you, you got all these different tribes, different cultures. Maybe they had a little bit slang words, different from some other, some other people, you know. And sometimes around here, we'll, I'll say something and I'll, I'll use a phrase from back in the 80s or the 90s or even 2000s. And some, a kid will look at me and go, what? What did you just say? What? Two totally different generations. A little bit different. But these people were coming from all over. They were so diverse. So whatever you, you have the tribes of like Dan and Gad, who were all about, that, that's, those were men in those tribes that were focused on uh, uh, justice and warfare. These were your foot soldiers came from. You had the tribe of Reuben. That was the power tribe, if you will. There was the leader tribe, basically the tribe of Judah. Hello, Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Makes total sense there because he's the leader of us all, the leader of the church. They, they, they were so different. You, they got the tribe of Levi, the priests. Nobody else could be the priest. It had to come from the tribe of Levi. They were so diverse. And you know, you look around here, you just go ahead, look around. Go ahead, look here. There is not two of us in here that even come close to looking alike. We are so different. I mean, we got, we got carpenters in here. We got principals in here. We got administrators in here. We got teachers in here. We got cooks in here, amen? Oh, yeah. That's not me. I'm, I'm the eating one, all right? We got athletes in here. We got coaches in here. Think about the backgrounds that we've all come from. Even consider those who aren't here today. We got people from all over the country. You got a wide-eyed and crazy Californian amongst you? That would be me. I thought you were from Alabama. No, I was actually born in California, San Jose. Grew up in Alabama. But you got Alabamians in here, you got Flor how many have been how many of you by raise of hand, you are a Floridian, you have been here since Jesus was on the scene. I mean, you were yeah, yeah, you grew up here. This is this is your place, right? And and for many of you, you've only been here, some of you only been here for a few years, you know? I mean, some of you have been here all your lives for us. Let's see. California, Alabama, Florida, North Carolina, Indiana, no, North Carolina, South Carolina, Indiana, Florida. Tennessee, Florida, East Coast, Florida. I mean, all over, and then some of you, you, you barely make it out of your yard in 40, 50 years, you know? We're so different. And David's saying, man, all these people are coming together. Why? Because we are the community of God. We're the people of God. Even though we, we look around and we're, we're so diverse, we're still family. We're still community. Looking around, I mean, we, we kind of say this, this phrase without thinking about it, but looking around right now, you see your brothers and your sisters. Brothers and sisters in Christ. We're joint heirs with Christ. And we're all part of the same family. David was so excited because everybody was there. He, they were able to connect as a community. And in, as diverse as we are, we're still family. We're still community. We're still a tribe. 
We're a gang. We're the crew. We're the kinfolk. We're here gathered, the church gathered. And what keeps us all together? What brings us all together? Well, there's only one thread that brings us together, and that's the thread of the Lord Jesus, the blood of the cross that brings us together. Turn with me to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. Hold your finger there in Psalm 122, but Hebrews chapter 10. The blood brings us together. The blood of the cross, the blood of Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Starting at verse number 19, Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the, there it is, the blood of Jesus. Brothers, we can go, sisters, we can go right into the, the very holy place, the holy of holies, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he, Jesus, consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. That is Jesus' flesh. He died on the cross for us. And having high priest, a high priest over the house of God, since we got all those things there, then let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, speaking of the water of the word. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises faithful. And let us consider, let us consider one another. The word consider there means to think about. Think of ways. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. He says, think about ways, consider ways, come up with some ways that while you're meeting together, to stir up. The word stir up means to provoke, stimulate, irritate. Many of you, you've, you've had young children, and they like to take bubble baths, right? And you put the stuff in the, in the water, and it really doesn't get, you know, the bubbles kind of get going, but they don't. So what do you do? You, you, as, a, as a mom or a dad, you put your hand down on the water, you do what? And you stir it up. What happens to those bubbles? They start coming, don't they? You stimulate that water. You irritate that water. You, you get, uh, you stir it all up. It gets the bubble. And then that's when the bath becomes fun for them, right? Oh, I got all these bubbles, and they're all over the place. Just remember to turn off the water, amen? Remember to turn off the water. But nonetheless, that, that's, what, that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying here. Think of ways to stir up, provoke, stimulate uh, a love in your congregation. Stir up love. The, the word love there is the, the unconditional, the sacrificial love, agape love. Good works exhorting one another, knowing that the day is approaching. In other words, we need to be doing that. Why? Because we know Jesus could return at any moment. It could happen in the next 30 seconds. If that's the case, we've come together. How have we stirred up some works within us? How have we encouraged and blessed someone to get them on the right track, to get them to stir up these things in their life? Stirring up love, stirring up good works, encouraging one another to do the work of the Lord as we do not forsake. You know what? I, I, I think it's interesting here. The writer of Hebrews points out that even then, he said, don't forsake the assembling together as believers as the manner of some. In other words, some people were actually doing that. Well, I don't really need church. I don't need to be there. I'll be all right. You know? And he said, don't do that. Don't do that. They need, they need you there. They need you there to do what? Stir them up. Encourage them. 
Give them opportunities to serve. Give them opportunities to pray. Give them opportunities to witness. Give them opportunities to bless. Stir them up. Stir up that love. Stir up that good work. David said, man, I am so glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord because I get to be there and they get to stir me up. They get to be together. We get to be together as a family and that's partly what a family does. You know, in today's church, there are a lot of spiritual orphans, spiritual foster children, spiritual orphans in the sense that they may be saved, but they don't have a church family or spiritual foster children from the standpoint that they go from church to church, like, like a child would, going from foster home to foster home to foster home to foster home. They go from church to church to church to church, and they never sit down and settle somewhere. And part of the reason why they don't is because they haven't been stirred up at the church that they're at. They haven't been stimulated to good works and to love and to service. That ought not be us. If you consider yourself, listen very carefully, if you consider yourself a disconnected saint, then you're living outside of the will of God. Because the church is there, the church is here to stir up good works. And if you're disconnected from the good works of your body of believers, that is outside of the will of God. God never intended the church to be that way. He never intended it to be that way. In fact, if you go back to Acts chapter 2, which we'll look at some verses here a little bit later, how often were they together in some shape or form? It says daily. They were constantly in each other's purview. They were constantly uh, co connecting and communicating. Now I realize we live in a different day and age today, but the basic principle is they were constantly in contact with one another. They were constantly together and were constantly being that community, and we should be as well. Why was David glad when they said to him, let's go to the house of the Lord? Because we simply get to be together. I hope you're glad that today you got to see some folks and you get to be together, at least for this hour or so. Amen? That's why we're here. I've talked to so many of you that have said, man, I cannot wait till we get back. Just, just to see one another and talk to one another. But you know what? That could happen outside this building, too. We all got them. Hello, ready? Right? Phone calls? Even if it means just Brother James is driving by somebody's house, hawking your horn and yelling, hey! I've done that a few times this past week. People look at me like I'm crazy and I just cruise on. <laughs> but nonetheless, we get to be together. Are y'all glad to be together today? I hope so. I'm glad you're here too. Or otherwise, it'd just be me and my wife. She gets tired of listening to me. Anyway, let's move on to number two. I'm just kidding. We get to grow together. We get to grow together. Back to Psalm 122. Back to Psalm 122. Not only do we get to get it, be together, he was happy about that. We get to grow together. Look at verse number 5. Verses 1, 2, and 3, let us go. We get to be there. Our feet, our, the, the whole family, the tribe goes up. Verse 5, for thrones are set there for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Thrones are set there for judgment. Now, what's he talking about here? Now, obviously, David, the man after God's own heart, He's speaking here together uh, of whenever they come together that God had established David as the king and as the king there were certain responsibilities that he had. And some of those responsibilities were to establish and to uh, enforce God's law. Whatever God told him to do, David did it and he got his people to do it. 
He was the administrator, if you will, of judgments and righteous justice. Okay? So the people looked to King David to give proper, uh, administer proper justice and judgment. What was God saying? What was God doing? What was God thinking? This is why we find David writing so many of the Psalms. David just pouring out his heart to the Lord. Why? Because the Holy Spirit spoke to him and, and had him write these things down uh, through, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That was, this was partly the purpose of Jerusalem. The house of the Lord, Jerusalem, if you will, was to uh, proclaim what is right, what is true, what is godly, what is holy, what is righteous. That was the job of the city of Jerusalem. And when the people came there, they were there not just to be together, but they were there to grow together, to grow towards maturity, not just to meet as community. But it's one thing to meet as community, but it's another thing to actually, while you're meeting as community, to grow into maturity of Christ. If you come into this place every Sunday and the, the various times that we meet together and you leave unchanged, something's wrong with you. Something's wrong with us. We ought to leave here changed, amen? Hopefully, you know, for the better, obviously. We hope that the Holy Spirit speaks to people. We want the Holy Spirit to speak. But we ought to come, if nothing else, we have more knowledge of what the Word of God says. We come and we leave with a greater passion for what God wants in our lives. The house of the Lord was a place where righteousness was proclaimed and right decisions were made to explain, fulfill God's law and God's expectations. When the people came to these feasts, that's what they came to do. Not just to have a feast, but to hear more about their faith, to hear the righteous judgment. So David is saying, I was glad when they said to me, Let's go to the house of the Lord. Why? It's an opportunity for us all to hear and see the judgments and the justice of God and to grow to be more like King Jesus. And so it is with us, with the church. We have God's law. Amen? We have God's law. And as we come meet together through teaching and preaching, we have it explained to us through faith builders, through a worship service and song, through prayer, through um, men's meetings, women's meetings, youth meetings, children's church, whatever the case may be, small groups, people are teaching the word of God. Take, take your Bibles, go with me to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, you see, kind of get an idea for what I'm talking about here. You've heard me say many times that we're not here to sit and soak, we're here to serve. And we are. That's why God has saved us. To do what he has called us to do, whatever that might be. Now, of course, he's given us some mandates in Scripture that at least gives us an inkling as of what his thoughts are, what we should be doing. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Now, I want, as we read through these verses, I want you to notice the number of times growth is mentioned. Spiritual growth. Verse 11. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping... Is that growth when you get start get equipped? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. What does edify mean? To grow up, to build up, growth, all right? Till we all come to the unity of the faith. What is that? That's growth, is it not? Because you're coming to faith or to the unity of the faith. So it's a growing process. Okay, keep following with me. And not only that, coming to the unity of faith, but also the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. So there's your process. To a perfect man, perfect meaning mature, 
not sinless, but rather coming to maturity, again, growth process, yes, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, to continue to grow until you become exactly like, guess who? King Jesus. Now, is that going to happen on this earth? No, eventually it'll happen in heaven. But while we're on this earth, that's what we're striving for. Be more and more and more like Jesus every day. In other words, there's that spiritual growth that's taking place. Why? That we should no longer be uh, tossed uh, like children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love. And here it is again. And may grow up, there it is again, in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together. In other words, it's drawing closer together, becoming more compact, like the city of Jerusalem we mentioned a few moments ago. By what every joint supplies, there's growth, it's supplying things, it's ongoing, according to the effective working, there it is again, working, growing, by which every part does, there you go, it's growing again, it share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Ephesians here, Paul's telling the Ephesians, listen, I've given these spiritual gifts so that you can do what? Grow! Grow! And whenever the people of God came to Jerusalem, David noticed that. He saw this as an opportunity for the people of God to grow. And man, that's exciting. Are you growing in your faith? Are you growing in your faith? Are you reading God's word more now than you did this time last year? Are you praying more now? I'll tell you what, I've got to be honest with you. In the midst of all this, I've been praying a whole lot more. Had a whole lot more time to pray, amen? <laughs> so we ought to be praying more. Been praying a whole lot more, but we ought to be growing in our faith. Many of you uh, love to uh, plant your gardens and plant flowers and things like that. I'm not very good at those kinds of things. If I plant it, it's, I might as well go ahead and do the funeral right off the bat because it's going to die pretty soon. Uh, but some of you uh, just enjoy planting things. and Sunflowers. Sunflowers are beautiful, aren't they? They're just beautiful plants. And the reason they're called sunflowers is because they always point to the sun. When the sun comes up in the east, the sunflowers will turn and they'll point towards the sun and actually lean in that direction. And as the sun goes around, the sunflowers will do exactly that. They're always pointing towards the sun. And one of the things really unique about sunflowers is they produce just all kinds of seeds. But if it didn't face the sun, would it produce those seeds? Probably not. It its growth would be stunted. But that's why it's called a sunflower, because it always follows the sun, and as a result, it produces, it reproduces itself by producing a lot of seeds. And the same is true for the Christian life. As the sunflower is pointed to the S-U-N constantly and growing and producing more seeds, so believers, as we are pointed towards the S-O-N, we grow in our spiritual lives, and we produce more seeds that can bless that can get the gospel out, that can encourage, that can provide for, whatever that, that is, for somebody else. What's taking place? Spiritual growth. David said, man, I'm so glad that they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord because we can meet together and connect with community. I'm glad because we can grow together and grow towards maturity. And thirdly, we get to pray together.
we get to pray together. Going back to Psalm 122, the latter part of verse number four, he says, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Drop down to verse number six. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Let's drop back to, to giving thanks. Is giving thanks, is that prayer? Is that a part of prayer? Is that an aspect of prayer? Absolutely it is. Giving thanks to the Lord. Pray for peace of Jerusalem. Praying for the peace of Jerusalem. We'll come back to that in a moment. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls. Prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and my companions, I will now say peace be within you because of the house of the Lord our God. I will seek your good. How? Through prayer. Through prayer. David saying, when we get together, I'm so glad because we, we get to commune in solidarity. How? Through prayer. Through prayer. Praying because God's blessings are there. That's why we give thanks. We get to proclaim together how good God is. His blessings. Let me ask you all a few questions here. Are you glad King Jesus came to save you? Are you glad that you're avoiding hell because you have Jesus? Okay, but we're, we're, we're weak here today. we got a lot of unsafe folks here, I guess. Are you glad Jesus died on the cross for you? Are you glad he rose from the dead? I hope so, because if he, does, if he doesn't, this whole thing, we might as well shut down the whole operation. Amen? This is something to be glad about, to be joyous about. It's amazing. We can get all, woo, at a ball game or at a concert, and we come to church. We, hmm, hmm. It's either amen or oh me. Praying God's blessings, praying for the city of Jerusalem, praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Now, doesn't that sound odd? When you think about Jerusalem, do you think of peace other than the name? Because uh, other than when, when David took this from the Jebusites, ever since, what's, what's, Jerusalem's been in the middle of war, hadn't it? On every side. In fact, even today. Countries on every side. If we could wipe out Israel, we would. In fact, we wish we could, you know? Ever since the, all this has taken place, it's been constant warfare, people wanting Jerusalem, a different uh, uh, religions wanting Jerusalem, a different people groups wanting to destroy Israel or destroy Jerusalem, and obviously it hasn't happened yet, we know why. But when you pray for the peace of Jerusalem, you know what you're actually praying for? When will Jerusalem finally be at peace? When King Jesus sets up his throne. You see, so whenever you're praying for the peace of Jerusalem, what you're actually praying for is what John prayed, the great revelator. He prayed, surely, come quickly, Lord Jesus. You're praying for the second coming of Christ to get here. I wish it happened real soon, amen? I'd be just fine with me if the rapture took place in the next 10 seconds, amen? How about y'all? Yeah, I would. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm, and you know the cool thing about it? You're sitting down and you're on the floor. I'm up here and I'm standing up, therefore I'm going to get to heaven before you. <laughs> anyway, that's beside the point. I'll catch you, Pastor. Okay, that's cool. Whatever, man. I don't care if I'm, I don't care if I get there first or I get there last as long as I get there. <laughs> Amen. It doesn't matter to me. But David said here, man, we get to pray together. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We get to pray for believers to prosper. Now, I want you to underline the word prosper and prosperity in these verses here because they're not what you think. When you think of prosperity, what do you think of? Money. You think of stuff. That's not what that word means. The word prosperity and prosper literally means quiet and ease. E-A-S-E. -E. In other words, peace. 
praying for peace where? Praying for peace. And if you, you, you look through these verses here, praying for peace for the individual believers. You're praying for the peace within your walls, the walls of the city of Jerusalem. In other words, your meeting place. Praying for peace within the churches here in a modern day setting. Praying for individual believers, praying for the uh, peace in the, the meeting place, praying, praying for prosperity or quietness and ease in the homes, praying for prosperity within your palaces, your homes. We come together and we pray. This is such a, this is such a huge aspect of church life, prayer. Hold your finger here. Go forwards to the right, Isaiah chapter 56. Isaiah 56 and verse number 7. Isaiah 56, 7. Isaiah says, even them I will bring to my holy mountain. What's he talking about? Jerusalem. Write down Psalm 122 right beside that. He's talking about Jerusalem. Even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my, what does that say? House of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house shall be called a, everybody together, house of prayer prayer for all nations notice it doesn't say a house of programs notice whenever Jesus cleared out the temple he said my house shall be a house of preaching never said that whenever they met together it was to be a house of of really hip cool music it's not what it says there it'll be a house of snake handling in some states, that's, that's some pretty weird stuff going on right there. What about some really cool programs, really doing this and doing that? No, 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 no. Jesus never said that, and Isaiah never said that, and God never said that. What is the number one priority of the house of God? To be a house of? This is why we have our prayer time. This is why your pastor has offered opportunities for the family of God to get together, to grow in maturity, and to pray together. The church that prays together not only stays together, but moves forward together. Prayer. Matthew 18, 20, a very familiar verse to all of you, for where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in the midst of them. Now the context of that verse is actually church discipline. But the principle is still true, I think, when it comes to the presence of God. When one or two are there, the Holy Spirit is there. God is there. Amen. Acts 1.14, it says they all continued with, they all continued in one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers, and probably the, the disciples, I'm sure, were all there too. Why? Because they were inaugurating Pentecost. They were inaugurating the coming of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, a newborn baby. They prayed for a newborn baby. You know who that newborn baby was in Acts 2, 42? The newborn baby was the church. They wanted to pray for the church, continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Acts 4, 24. And verse 31, they raised their voice. They collectively, the body, they raised their voice to God with one accord. And when they had prayed, uh, prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. In Acts chapter 12, whenever Peter was arrested and thrown into prison, everybody thought he was going to have his head lopped off. What did they do? They got together and they prayed. They didn't go out. And there's nothing wrong with you know praying as individual, individual. But when you get together to pray collectively as a body, as a community, you're in solidarity together praying. Paul said, uh, I beg you, brothers, in Romans 15, 30, I beg you, brothers, to strive together with me in prayers to God for me. 1 Timothy 2.8, Paul said, I desire, therefore, that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without doubt and wrath. David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Why? Because we get to be together? Yeah. We get to grow together and we get to pray together. Man, he was keyed up when hundreds and pop, I'm sure thousands of people were coming into Jerusalem. Many years ago, there was a story, I don't know if you saw it or not, maybe you heard about it, but there were these three gray whales near Point Barrow, Alaska, and they were basically trapped underneath the ice. There were a few holes in the ice but they still had a ways to go, like five miles or so, in order to get to open waters. And these whales were sharing this huge hole that was in the ice in order to breathe and survive. Researchers saw that, and they began to uh, cut holes in the ice, just a few feet apart, just started cutting big holes in the ice that led to the open waters. And as they did that, eventually a, a Russian ship, an ice-breaking type ship, showed up and broke the ice the rest of the way. And these whales were eventually, all three of them, were able to escape and make their way to open waters. And they were able to survive, and not just survive, but thrive, moving on with their lives. But their saving grace were, was those air holes that were punched in the ice. The ice was like six or seven inches thick, and they were you know, putting these holes there so these whales could survive. The local church, the local churches around the country and around the world, those are the string of breathing holes for the believer. We go through our week. Some have really good weeks. Some have really tough weeks. Some come in just all just ready to go, like King David. And others, they've been beaten up. They've been bludgeoned. They've been bruised up and battered. And the world of frozen water, of greed, pride, selfishness, anger, hatred, me, my, has just beaten them up. And when we come to church, it's our chance to rise for air. That's a good thing. In fact, that's a great thing. When we come to the house of the Lord, it's an opportunity to be encouraged and breathe again. And it's an opportunity to be healed up and breathe again. And it's an opportunity to confess sin 
and be able to breathe again. It's an opportunity for that burden that you have to be taken off of your shoulders and laid at the foot of a cross so you can breathe again. That should bring joy to all of our hearts. This is why David could say, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And I hope that's your perspective as well because the house of God is where burdens are lifted, souls are encouraged, and souls are saved all for the kingdom of God. Is that your attitude? I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Are you glad to be here? I am. I'm glad y'all are here. And I'm so thankful that God has used his body, the local church, Church Universal, and his local church, to do what it does. Because it brings glory to God, and it brings life. It breathes breath into the body of Christ. Let's pray. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You know, being a part of that body begins with a relationship with Christ. Do you know Christ as your Savior? If you don't know the Lord, going to church is just another thing to do. But as a believer, it's our opportunity to be refreshed and encouraged and rejuvenated for the coming week, for the coming days. But it all begins with the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know him as your Savior? Have you ever just called out to him, knowing that you're a sinner, understanding that you can't get to heaven on your own, and asked him to forgive you and save you? He'll do that this morning. You could call out to him right now. In the comfort of your chairs, the quietness of this room, in this moment, you could call out to him and say, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I realize that you are holy and I cannot get to heaven on my own because you are God and you are holy. And my sin condemns me. But Father, I believe that Jesus paid my sin debt. I believe that he died on the cross. I believe that he rose from the dead to provide me new life. I believe that he's God. And I believe that he came to save me. So God, as best as I know how, right now, I call upon you to come into my life and save me. Forgive me of my sin. I turn from my sin. I turn from myself. I confess my sin. I repent of it. And I turn and I give my life to you. Would you call on him this morning? Father, bless this time of invitation. Thank you for your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together. I'll tell you what, stand together. Let's just have heads bowed and eyes closed. Music's just going to play. Heads bowed, eyes closed. This altar is available if you'd like to come and just spend a moment praying to the Lord. You know, here's a great opportunity to come and pray together. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed.
Maybe your outlook has, on life has been bitter because your relationship with the Lord has been lacking. Maybe your attitude about church is, you know, well, it's just the thing to do on Sundays. Well, that's there's a lot of things you could be doing on Sundays. I'm glad you're here, but your attitude is your spirit man I'm glad when I get to get to the house of God and I get to see the people of God I get to study and hear from the word of God and I get to sing the words of God that ought to be all of our attitudes Father I thank you for King David I thank you that he had such a high opinion of getting together with his family, the people of God. And Lord, I pray that we would as well. It's important that we gather together and be together. It's important that we grow together and serve together and to get busy about the business of God together. And oh God, it's so important that we pray together. Father, my prayer is that it would begin with our prayer lives. We would never be ashamed to call on the name of Jesus. We would never be ashamed to bow the knee. We'd never be ashamed to lower our head and close our eyes and lift our, our hands, as Paul says, that men ought to lift up holy hands everywhere and pray. God, I pray that we'd be people of prayer thank you for this gathering this morning. Lord, I can say it's been good to have been in the house of the Lord. I'm glad I came to the house of the Lord. May it ever be true as we're preparing for heaven. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.